good morning, everyone. Wow, I, you know, normally it's kind of fun to start off, you know, kind of goofy or, you know, like let's let's break the ice in the room before we get right into scripture, but I really feel like the Spirit of God is speaking something this morning, so I just want to invite you to dig right in with me, and let's see what he's continuing to speak. Um, if you have an app, if you have your Bible, would love for you to turn to Jeremiah 29. Uh, we're going to continue our Embracing Babylon series. Oh, Lord, we give you this time. We just step back. There's something being said today, and we don't want to miss it. Help us embrace the next half an hour or so. You are Lord of this time. Would you prepare our hearts for what you want to speak to us, what you have been speaking to us already in this service? I ask this in your name. Amen. I think I've met most of you at this point, but my name is Ashley Hattinger, and I am the interim lead pastor here at Journey Delaware. And it is, we, my family is so grateful for having a church family. Um, our one-year-old is being taken care of so well in the nursery right now, and um, I don't take that lightly. It means a lot to us. But we're in Jeremiah 29. We've been there the last couple weeks, and let's go ahead and go back in our mind, time machine time, to 500 years before Jesus. And what we find are God's people, the Israelites, are in exile in Babylon, right? We've talked about that a couple weeks now. It was by far one of the hardest times in Israel's history, but somehow it was also probably the single best thing that ever happened to them because they came out of it stronger than ever as a people and between them and God. And when I was preparing to come here, this, this series immediately came into my mind even before um, I started, you know, thinking about my, my first week. And just like Israel came out of that season, more united than ever, more sure of who they were, and more sure of who they were in light of their relationship with God and who God was, I believe the same for Journey Church. I believe the same for what is going on in your life right now and in your family's life. I just want to speak that into you today, that this isn't a broken record thing. I, I've said this every week. I'm going to keep saying it till this series is over. I believe that is a truth that we can hold on to. That is something that we can believe in, that God has for you, for your family, and for this church. So we know they embraced Babylon, but how did they do it? Well, in Jeremiah 29, God sends them a letter through the prophet Jeremiah. And so we are going to keep reading their mail so that we can learn the how. Okay, yeah, we can embrace the hard times. People say that, right? Like, but, but what does that look like? Let's put some actual like practical application there. So let's go ahead and jump into verse 4, beginning of the letter. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. 
build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. And here we go. This is what we're going to talk about today. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Here we go. Multiply there and do not decrease. We'll keep covering the rest of this over the next couple weeks, but that's God's message to them. Multiply there. Do not decrease. Here's what's interesting about that, though. Um, Exile was meant to break you. In fact, it was the goal. And this was not the first time in history someone or a people or a government have been exiled. Even today in the world, there are people living in exile. Um, There's a reason why throughout history this tactic has been used, and it's because it works. So um, does anyone, has anyone ever like been a teacher, like teaching background? Okay, that's, that's absolutely fine. It almost makes this illustration more fun. Okay, imagine with me a classroom, right? 20 kids or so, but there's like two or three really causing issues, right? Like you need control of the classroom. You need control because there's something to do. You got to learn. Got to pay attention. Um, But man, that group's causing us trouble. What do you do? You separate them, right? Because they lose the ability to continue the momentum of the chaos or of the disruption of you needing to control your class when the other person is sat on the other side of the room. Now, I am curious. Um, anyone in here, were you that kid that, like, you were the reason that the seating chart was in place in school? I did maybe once or twice. Oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> when I was in elementary school, we had... Uh, my teacher, there was one grade where, you know, those like folders you can open up and if you like open them at like a perpendicular angle, you can like put two of them on either side and then you're like barricaded in. My teacher (laughs) that one year got really used to having us work that way because I think that was the only way she could get us to like focus like on what was going on. Like she didn't want us to deal with things. So to keep control, you separate people. And that is exactly the same reason why exile works so well. We, these Israelites are causing us problems. I'm Babylon. I want control over the known world. So what am I going to do? Separate the people. It breaks their will. It breaks their sense of identity. Um, they're taken from the land that God had given them. Um, in Daniel... If you'll remember, the, the book of Daniel, some of the exiles, they changed their name from Hebrew names to Babylonian names. So taking them from the land, taking them completely different culture, giving them a new name, loss of identity. Exile, you're supposed to lose direction and momentum. They, if they don't kill the king, they definitely don't let the king lead anymore. So now they're leaderless and... In Daniel, the the smart and skilled people were given jobs, like Babylonian jobs to do, so that left the people with no leaders, and everyone else was so busy surviving that they couldn't even focus on trying to build momentum or fight back or 
you know, get free, all that kind of stuff. That wasn't happening. And you're supposed to lose faith in exile. Um, in Daniel, you remember, they ordered that everyone needed to worship the king. And that's kind of, that led to some issues like, you know, Daniel in the lion's den, um, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego in the furnace, right? Like, that's out of this. It's, no, you're a part of us now. So completely breaking them of all sense of faith, at least that was the goal. Um, God was asking them to do something virtually impossible. So in light of that, exile is supposed to break you. But here God is like, multiply. And the people of Israel are like, God, the exile we, reduces us to zero. We are at zero. We have nothing. And do you know what zero times zero equals? Zero. So it's God, what do you like? What do you want us to do? He was asking them something virtually impossible. You can't multiply when you have nothing. And he, he was being very literal when he said multiply. He wanted them to have kids. And who would want to bring kids into this mess, right? Who would want to raise a next generation in Babylon? In that situation where there's no sense of home, there's no land to pass down to them, no wealth to pass down to them, it was all taken away. God, you want us to bring mouths to feed? into the situation? So was God denying their reality? Was it really not as bad as they thought it was? Have you ever wondered that, like going through something and it's like, you know, it, it's, really, it's really not as bad. Like the sugar coating is almost like cringy, right? Um, yeah, so like, is that what God is doing? Is he's like, no, it's not, it's not as bad as you think it is. Multiply. Um, well, why would God ask them to do that? And I think he knew something they didn't know. He knew something that they didn't know. So let's jump forward. Remember, we're, this was, we just read 500 BC, okay, right around there. Let's jump forward to the turn of the century, the like 500 years later, Jesus has come, he has died and risen again and ascended to heaven, and now we have the early church. So we have fast-forwarded in history 500 years, right after Jesus, to the early church. And God's people are in exile again. This time, though, it's not Babylon. It's a little country called Rome. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Very same thing. They wanted control over the known world, right? And they came in. And not only that, um, they destroyed everything. They destroyed the temple again, right? Like they, they had their temple destroyed during during the the first exile. Temple destroyed again. Christians were fleeing their lives all over the world. They were in little communities so scattered apart, some of them were taken and captured and brought to Rome. And 
Yeah, very similarly, the same exile, even to the point where they wanted everyone to worship Caesar and call him Lord. And part of what made Christians so dangerous is that they were calling someone else Lord. And that had started to spread. And Rome didn't like that. So, in 1 Peter 1, this is kind of cool if you want to go there. If not, it'll be on the screen. But 1 Peter 1, we have Peter writing to now these people that now 500 years later are in exile again. And Peter says, uh, verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect, what? Exiles. I'm Peter, I'm writing to the exiles of the dispersion in all these places all around. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and in the sprinkling of his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Multiplied. It seems like that word rings a bell for something that might have happened a couple of centuries before. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. That's what Peter felt like he needed to share with the Christians in exile. What did God know that Israel didn't? He knew that as they multiplied, even though it seemed like they had nothing, God's grace and peace would multiply alongside them. They didn't lose everything. Not everything had broken. The whole time they had an exponential supply of God's grace. And here's what's cool. Every time someone in Babylon did listen to God and start having kids, bring kids into this world, with every new life, it was a new opportunity for God's grace and peace to show up and for him to come through and be faithful on his promises to his people in exile. And they went together. You know what, God? I have nothing. Well, you know what? Nothing is perfect because God is very good at creating from nothing. God was saying, Israel, if you multiply, I will multiply. You multiply, you do the the practical things you can do, live in this land, but just watch what I do on the backside of that. There's another thing that's cool. Going back to 1 Peter 1, he wrote to the exiles. Does anyone, exiles of the, does anyone remember that word or see that word there in verse 1? Dispersion. Exiles of the dispersion. That's kind of a fancy name, right? Well, this word dispersion, or maybe the the Greek word here is diaspora. Maybe you've heard that. Um, it's still kind of used today, but it's a new word that started appearing around the time that scripture was being written. And it was, for the most part, attached to 
like exile. They were kind of used interchangeably. And this word, dispersion, um, kind of sounds like dis disperse, right? When you disperse something. In Greek, it's scattering. That's kind of like the literal meaning, like scattered, which that makes sense, right? Like, so Peter was writing to everyone in exile, the people who were scattered all over, right? Well, it's only used three times in the New Testament, and it's in reference always to God's people in exile. Um, here's what's cool, though. Scattering, what it's really getting at, and what we can picture in our heads, is it also means sowing, like sowing seeds. What do you do when you need to plant something? You scatter the seeds. So I have a picture. Fall's coming, right? Um, actually, driving here, there was some change. It's coming. Does that make you, like, groan on the inside? I'm seeing faces. <laughs> or out loud. Um, well, try to hang in there. Football season starting, does that help? Oh, okay. So you can't have it all. <laughs> so <laughs> um, fall's coming. You start seeing seeds like this everywhere. You know, the helicopter seeds, right? I used to catch those as kids because they they're really cool. They kind of like spin down, right? Um, now we have another picture. Let's see that. Okay. Here's a tree that is growing in the middle of what looks like some sort of industrial parking lot of some kind. And how does stuff like that happen? There's, there's crazy stories of trees growing like on sides of cliffs or like in the middle of like, like barely an island in the ocean. All those things happen. Like why? Well, because fall came, the trees were going through their like dying phase, right? They were dying. So the seeds fell, and the wind scattered them all over. And what the early church did, and really this is thanks to what God ended up doing through the exiles in Babylon 500 years before, what the early church did was looking back at God's faithfulness then, though they were in a similar situation, they started looking at their situation saying, a little bit of a different switch. We're not just in exile. We're not just scattered. But we're sown into these places all around the world. And the early church was going through a lot. But what God wanted them to know and I think what Peter was reminding them and what the early church leaders were reminding them by attaching this word diaspora to um, referring to the, the people in exile, to people in the dispersion, was you aren't just simply scattered. You're sown. God was saying, I know exile was meant to break you, but fall is coming. And out of that brokenness, out of that death, new life can come wherever that ends up taking you. Now we can go to James 1. Here's one of the other times that we have an early church leader talking to 
people. So in James 1, verse 1, now we have James, servant of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. So he's talking to the people that have just been scattered all over, fleeing for their lives. Um, things aren't going well for them. James says, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, not lacking in anything, lacking in nothing. From death and breaking in the kingdom of God, through the Spirit of God and because of the blood of Jesus, from death and breaking comes multiplication and growth. Exile might be meant to break you, but in the kingdom of God, that is not the final word. It is multiplication and growth that God is about, and he does the work. And on, you know what? <laughs> you feel like you're reduced to nothing? Well, on the other side of nothing is not lacking in anything. So today, this is the takeaway. God turns scattering into sowing. Maybe God knows something you don't about what's going on. Maybe what you are going through really is that bad. Or maybe someone you're watching through, watching is going through something that really is that scary, that hard, that tough. Weeks like you guys had. Maybe it really is that bad. But maybe, maybe it's not just an accident, like just another thing blown our way. Maybe God turns it into an intentional sowing into situations. It's not just a random scattering where you're left and forgotten, but rather you are sown into those places with those people and that God wants to multiply life out of that. Let's do not deny the reality Maybe for you, just like for the exiles, come on, God, zero times zero equals zero. Like, what do you expect me to do? And he says, step out in faith. Step out in faith and multiply and watch me multiply right alongside you. Watch me be faithful right alongside this. God asks us to multiply so we can experience his grace multiplied and his peace multiplied. And Peter was able to send that to the early church because he, they had watched it centuries before. And so when it came time for the early church to go through something similar, they had something to hold on to. Now, poor Israel, back in Babylon, God had been faithful to them, but they hadn't seen God multiply them through exile yet. They didn't have that like the early church had. 
And God was asking them, you may not see it, but just trust me. Step out in faith. Multiply here. Live here. Embrace this. And watch me do something with that. Watch me be faithful in that. This may be hard to hear. Some of you may not have experienced God's grace in a long time. Maybe you don't feel any peace of God at all. And first I want to say, I'm so sorry to hear that. I think there are people in Scripture that understand exactly what you're feeling right now. But maybe could it be that you haven't experienced God's grace and peace because you've been looking at what you're going through through the lens of nothing instead of through the lens of stepping out in faith. Maybe this situation is a sowing into something. And God's grace and peace can only show up once we take that first step into multiplying, into creating some space for God to do something. If you're sitting and doing nothing or thinking you have nothing, though that may be what the world sees, the situation may be very well meant to break you. But God knows something we don't, that we forget. God wants to multiply his grace and his peace out on you today and what you're going through. He wants that. He has a track record of doing that. We're on this side of Babylon. We know he came through there on his promise. We know he came through there. We're also on this side of the early church in exile. And you know what? He came through there too. And you know what? During that time, the early church exploded it went all over the world. It reached every continent. The gospel of Jesus Christ reached every continent because they went into all those places. Yeah, they had lost a lot, but they saw it as God has sown me into North Africa. God has sown me into Spain. God has sown me into Rome, into Turkey. God wants to multiply his grace out on you. And if God came through for Babylon, and if God came through for those experiencing it in Rome, he can come through for us too. And God also wants to multiply his grace out on Journey Delaware. And that's why I feel so adamant that this is, this is God, not me. God is saying this time is not a time to just sit and do nothing because it's in the margin of when we move, when we see this as a chance to sow into the reality, that's when God's grace can show up here. That's when grace can come. That's when peace can come. So this is a mind switch, mindset switch today. God I will not 
I feel scattered, but I will no longer walk around like I'm just blown away, scattered around. Help me believe that, I, that you are sowing into this situation, that you have sown me here. You've sown me into work, into my school, into this family that's driving me nuts, or you name it. I'm sown into that. God, please forgive me for viewing this as just zero and help me see with your eyes um, that though in the reality this may break me, maybe there's something you want to do. So I just want to encourage you. There is potential in the broken and empty places around you. There's potential there and God calls us not to just do more work for him, but he wants to multiply in us, so we need to do this stuff. Like he called his people in Jeremiah 29, centuries ago to do, step out in faith and multiply and increase, because right alongside it, God's grace and peace is going to increase all the more. So, Yeah, for some of you, take, take some time and, and let this sit with you a little bit. It's okay. Like, it's, it's a tough message. It's, um, but I just want to say it one more time. It's not denying the reality. Actually, the reality, the zero, is what's setting it up for God to do a miracle. And I just want to speak into you that a year from now, five years from now, you get to look back and go, man, I had nothing there, God. But wow, like... I, I stepped out in faith, and somehow you multiplied right alongside. And I'm excited to celebrate that with everyone here. So let's pray. And you know what? If you need prayer today, I'll hang out up here. Mike and I will hang out up here. And we, if you would like someone to pray with you today, we're happy to do that. But Lord Jesus, thank you for proving yourself faithful time and time again. Help us switch our mindset that this thing that might supposed to break us, supposed to just knock us down, reduce us to zero, that we would see this with your eyes. And Lord, we just want to watch you multiply your grace and peace out on us, that we are sown into these situations. I ask this in your name. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. Yeah, we're, we're up here if you want to um, get some prayer. But, yeah, you're, go out. You're not just randomly going out. This week you are sown.